Are you recording now? Recording. <laughs> this is gonna sound weird. Things are about to get weird. Just get to the murder. In the words of Kevin from The Office, I have zero patience for stupidity. <laughs> All right, should we get started on this thing called a podcast? Yes. Hi, guys. Welcome. Hey, guys, gals, and those beyond the binary. Uh, I listen to a podcast that says that, and I think it's just so cool. Have, I've heard, I've have, heard you, pe- have you listened to a like, Sleep With Me podcast? No, but I've heard people do different variations. I've heard uh, something about friends. They just say friends and folks. I don't even hey know gender at all. Hey, all you cool, cool cats, cats and kittens. <laughs> um, uh, this is Sydney here. This is Taylor here. And this is, this is going to sound weird. Uh, the podcast where we talk about true crime, paranormal, Sasquatch. <laughs> Not yet, but soon. Mm, that's called foreshadowing. <laughs> and, you know, just things that we find weird. Yeah. Including ourselves. We talk about ourselves a lot. We're pretty weird. Uh, yeah, I am fucking weird. That's why I find it so. That's why I find it so difficult to make new friends because I like I want to be you know a weird person, but at the same time I'm like I can't hold back when hold to, back. when to bring it out. Exactly. exactly. I feel like because we didn't bring it out with each other right away. Oh no! When Taylor and I first met, Taylor was like, "Oh yeah, I thought you were too nice to be my friend." Little does she know. <laughs> I did think that. And it wasn't that I thought you were too nice that you weren't going to like me. I thought I wasn't going to like you. Because <laughs> you seemed nice. I think the Disney really struck a chord at first. Because mm-hmm. I was like, nobody that likes Disney this much is somebody who also hates most things. Not that we hate most things, but she ain't going to be able to talk shit. Oh, she wrong you were wrong 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 all the way wrong i i do love disney but i also love talking shit which is why like there's this girl on tiktok who she's been talking mad shit about disney and some people have just been roasting her to hell but i don't care um i i'm like fuck it i talk shit it's a corporate company fuck them fuck all y'all okay i have a sincere question for you Mm -hmm. that i have wondered okay would you consider yourself a Disney adult? <laughs> um, you know, I think on by the definition, probably a Disney adult. But I also, when I think of a Disney adult, I think of you going to get married. Like your dream is to get married at Disney World. I ab- that absolutely does not vibe with me. If that is your thing, go off. That is you. But it ain't me. Uh, also, because I don't. I don't think you could have an open bar at a Disney wedding. I'm not sure how that goes. Um, Also, I envision, like, when you walk into a Disney adult's house, they just have all this, like, Disney memorabilia. Yeah. And, like, posters and shit on it. Which, like, I do have a significant, like, coffee mug collection of Disney shit. But it's... I, like, you've seen my room. My room is very minimalist in its design. Like, I... like. I have Disney-esque stuff, but it's not like you're walking in and you're like, this is a child's room. I, Absolutely not. I feel that. Okay. So I think by definition probably, but do I self-identify as a yeah, Disney adult? Yeah, that was really the question. No, I do not. Okay. I'm glad to know. <laughs> we um, would have to end this friendship and end this podcast immediately. Look, I can't be friends with somebody that clearly gets made fun of on TikTok. This is true. Constantly. I mean, I probably get, would get made fun on tiktok if uh if i actually posted videos which i don't now i did this is my claim to fame uh recently this week i 
uh, commented on a TikTok, <laughs> and it wasn't even that great of a TikTok, but it was one of those things where, like, when I first viewed it, the TikTok only had, like, maybe, like, a thousand views, and I was oh, like, yeah. all right, I can get in on the ground floor. Put this comment in. To this day, it now has 9,000 likes, which I feel like, to me, is a lot. I feel like it's a lot. I mean, but then I also have seen TikToks where people literally have, like, 50,000 likes on their comment, so... Yeah. Well, TikTok. I'm a minor celebrity. I have tried to post TikTok videos. They never. They never make it past my followers of like (laughs) thirty, of whom there's one girl who hypes me up. I can't. I don't know your name on TikTok, but I I hope you're listening. No, it ain't you. It's a random person. I don't know who they are. They hype me up sometimes though, and I accept it. I I love advice and uh, support from a stranger, which is why. Hey. Hey, uh, to all the Instagram followers. Love y'all. <laughs> Love y'all. Also, um, if you want to give us some support, rate and review on us on Apple Podcasts. We usually save that for the end, but I'm going to say it up top because... It's called a plug. It is called a plug. Okay, so we ready to tell them here stories? Yeah, I guess that's what the people came to to actually listen to, not just me talk about traffic. <laughs> Although, if that's something y'all are interested in, just let us know. Well, speaking of traffic, <laughs> um, this week our theme is Roadside Legends. Yes, which uh, I think we probably may have uh, interpreted this, this a little differently. That's okay. Um, but uh, I'll let you tell your story first and how you interpreted the theme, and then I'll I'll do mine and I'll tell you how I interpret it. Okay. This is how podcasts work. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so I did mine on Riverdale Road, which is in Colorado. Okay. Um, so I basically interpreted it as a road mm-hmm. that has ghosts on the, like, the side. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So roadside legend. Got it. Um, so some sources, thought catalog, thrill list, nine news. I think that was just like a local news station in Colorado. In Colorado, yeah. In Retro 1025. Okay. So, we're on Riverdale Road, located near Thornton, Colorado. It's an 11-mile road filled with a lot of spooky shit. Right. Uh, Similar to the Riverdale TV series. Yes. Honestly, when I read it, I was like... At first, I was like, are these connected? And I was like, no, they're not. Uh, it's also close to Denver, so like on the map, when you look at it, you can see the airport from is that. Cre- is it that creepy airport with yes, the conspiracies? Yes, mm. I've flown into that airport once, and if you've never gone to that airport, it's actually quite ridiculous. I haven't been to many big airports, but they have like a whole ass subway system underneath it. I thought you were gonna say they have a whole ass subway sandwich shop. Oh no, they have like a subway system that like. Because it's set up in, like, rows almost. If you mm-hmm. look at it, I don't know. It's weird. Okay. Because the Orlando airport has, like, a monorail system. But is this, like, underground? Yes, oh. it's underground. It's very odd. It, that is odd. Especially since the Raleigh airport is, like, teeny tiny. It is very teeny tiny. I was talking to somebody about that. How you can get through security in, like, ten minutes. Also, the Fort Lauderdale airport is ass. It is ass. Anyways... Also, the people were mean there when I went there. And not to hate on Florida again. Sorry. All you Florida people. Um, Okay, back to the road. So, it's not really, like, known how long this road's been haunted. Okay. uh, But it's assumed that it probably began in, like, the 1850s because there are spirits of slaves often spotted Uh along the road. 
And so from then on, it was like when something bad would happen on the road, it would kind of get like stuck there. Not everything, but like if somebody died, something happened, then it would just like add to shit on the road. So similar to how like a ghost would just like stay in a house. Yes. It's just going to stay on this road. Yes. So I kind of broke it down into these eight like distinct haunting like and terrifying parts. Okay. Um, and it says that even seasoned paranormal investigators brings them to their knees. <laughs> so it's a little bit of editorializing. Wow. So number that sounds like a copy and paste <laughs> sentence. I honestly didn't even do it. I didn't write that because I thought it was stupid. But I was like, I'll say it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so number one is Joggers Hill. So one day the jogger decided to go run along the road. And sadly, they got hit by a car and died. R.I.P. This is unfortunate. That's what you get for running. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I'm only running if somebody's chasing me. Like, when I got chased by that man uh, the other day. So, now that jogger haunts the road. And people who go down the road by foot often hear a loud heartbeat. Mm-hmm. And even footsteps passing by them. Oh my god. <laughs> it's a cat. Yeah, my roommate's cat just bumped something. I thought what? it was the jogger. Yes, our podcast mascot Tex is not here today. He's at home. So sad. Um, but, okay, so the jogger, if you're running or on foot, you can hear him, like, pass by you. But this one, I would not like this. If you're driving a car, you may feel something hit your car, <gasps> but there's nothing there. And so I thought it's almost as if in his afterlife, he's having to constantly relive the way he died. Mm. Just getting hit by cars every day, all day. Or do you think he's just fucking with people at this point? I don't know. I guess it depends. Like, he could be fucking with people, but at the same time, you know, it feels sometimes like ghosts have to, like, they do, like, the same activities in Mm -hmm. their afterlife, so I'm wondering if, like, they have to. Interesting. I don't know. Maybe that's, maybe that's hell. I couldn't say. Um, So, second is demonic activity. So, people used to live along the road. I don't think they really live there now. Mm -hmm. Um, So, there's a lot of, like, empty buildings left behind, and there's, like, this one specific chicken coop. And they're always, they says there always seems to be, like, fresh graffiti, which I don't think graffiti equals devil worship. <laughs> <laughs> and it says that there are often headless animals found around it. Interesting. And so people say. Well, what are they graffitiing? What are they, like, is, do they have, like, pictures? Did, no, I didn't see any pictures. And I didn't really see too much uh, detail on the demonic worship. It's like Taylor was here. Yes. <laughs> God. <laughs> so people say that this points to the satanic rituals. And then this this was in the same part with demonic stuff, but it didn't really, I don't think it fit. It said that people often hear footsteps coming closer to them and growing louder, like when they're around the chicken coop. So I don't necessarily think that this equals demonic activity. I think it just is, like, probably another ghost. Mm-hmm. And probably some kids fucking around. Trying to let, like, when people go cow tipping? Yes. I've never gone cow tipping. Um, but when I was little, this was mean, but my brothers threw rocks at the cows in our backyard. It was not fun. The cows got really mad and tried to chase them. <laughs> so third, ghost. Now this one's sad. Ghosts um, are seen swinging from trees along the road. Um, what? Okay. Like- so, obviously, America has a terrible history with slavery. Yeah. And so, when you think about slavery, you typically think about it in the South. Oh. Um, but 
like when slavery was legal in the United States. It was also legal in Colorado. Uh-huh. And so it said that there were slaves that lived, like, I guess, on plantations along the road. And so they were, like, hung in the trees uh-huh. along the road. And so it says on some nights, especially during, like, full moons, people have reported seeing slave bodies hanging oh, from the trees. Which is why in the beginning, when I said there were slave ghosts, and that's why they think, like, it started getting creepy mm-hmm. in the 1850s. Yeah. Um, so the fourth, the fourth creepy thing on the road are bloody handprints that appear on the signs, like, <gasps> as you go down the road. Don't like that. No. And the handprints are said to be of a young boy that's been, like, seen walking down the road. One day on the way to school, he was hit and killed by a car. And so now it's said that he walks the road at night and smears his bloody handprints on the street signs. Well, that's horrific. Yes, it is. Is this kind of like a backcountry road? Yeah, so it says that it's like, which I'm about to say it, it's like a really curvy and like Mm -hmm. winding road. And is it kind of, because Colorado is kind of mountainous. Yeah, so it's kind of like in the mountains and it says that, in this part, so there's a phantom Camaro that, like, goes up and down the road. <gasps> okay. Well, and spoiler alert, I was going to do um, Highway 666 earlier yes, this week. Yes. And they also talked about, uh, like, the black Camaro yeah. that they think is, like, the, the devil. devil. Yeah. Because so, I think that, I don't know if those highways are connected. I don't know don't how you geography know, works. Don't you know the devil drives a coupe to bill? <laughs> I heard that the devil uh, put wore a cowboy hat to cover cover up his horns. <laughs> this is a this is a song lyric. <laughs> yes, it is. If you don't know the song, get the fuck out. Sorry, sorry. You probably just weren't raised southern. <laughs> no, look look it up. It's a good song. It is. It's um Broken Heartsville. Yes. Is it Josh Turner? Uh, that I don't know. No, it's not Josh Turner. Josh Turner sings um, Long Black Train. Long Black Train. I used to love that song as a kid. I love the music video. <laughs> look good, up that music video, please. Look yeah, it look up, up uh, the music video for Long Black Train by Josh Turner. Um, I don't know. It's a little questionable now, but it, it's, it was, it, as a child, a bop. It did not hold the test of time, but that is why now it's kind of funny. <laughs> it is. Uh, it's so, but, so the thing about this road is it's really curvy and winding and has mm-hmm. a lot of blind corners. Mm. So if you drive too fast, it's really likely that you will end up in a car crash and a lot of people die. Mm. And so that's why it makes sense that a lot of people have also died while walking and jogging. Because if somebody's speeding and they mm-hmm. like come around the corner and they don't see you, then they hit your ass. Uh, so, it said that in the 70s, a driver, presumably of a Camaro, was speeding down the road and had a fatal car crash. So, now if you travel down the road, it says both day and night, you may see the car, like, come up behind you, mm-hmm. and it's got a burnt-out headlight, and so it'll pull up behind you and try to race you. <laughs> and I said, this one's pretty scary because, you know, if you're somebody who likes to race, <laughs> and you're like, I'll race your ass, it's almost like they're trying to kill you like they were killed. It's like Final Destination where you die but from your own stupidity. Honestly. Like if you, if a black Camaro on a windy road at night pulls up next to you and is like, yo, let's race. Like, don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> it ain't worth it. And what is the prize? Look, your Prius will never outrun that black Camaro. <laughs> <laughs> and I used to have a Prius so I know. <laughs> Taylor's 
Prius, like when she would gun it, the whole bitch would just shake. It's kind of like just driving a golf cart. (laughs) (laughs) You can feel it in the floorboards. And this next one is a theme found in most all roadside legends. Mm -hmm. It's a hitchhiker needing a ride. Mm -hmm. There's a woman seen in white trying to hitchhike. When you open the door to give her a ride, she disappears. (laughs) (laughs) Which I feel like... Any road or that has a ghost, that's always the case. I've heard yes. about those, like, even around where I live. I've also heard the one where, like, you pick her up and then you, you like, go to, like, drop off her sweater or something. And they're like, she's been dead for 50 yes. years. I feel like that was, like, a legend that I heard back when I was, like, a little kid. Yeah. So, while the road itself is, like, haunted now, um, it says that the area that the road cuts through, like... It's also said to be, like, cursed. So, this makes me question the, like, did it start in the 1850s situation? Mm -hmm. Because it says for hundreds of years in the area, there have been stories about Native American shapeshifters on the road. Mm. um, Or on the land that the road passes through. Mm -hmm. And so, these shapeshifters take, like, different forms and they communicate in various ways. And so, if you go on the road, be very careful. I wrote carful. (laughs) Be very careful of any weird activity or, like, people trying to talk to you. Because it could be a shapeshifter trying to trick you. Mm -hmm. Which, I don't know in this case if shapeshifter means skinwalker. Are you familiar with the skinwalker? Yes, because when I was researching for Highway 666, they talked about that. And they said that these shapeshifters would either, like... They might shapeshift to, like, a deer, and then they'd run out in front of your car, and then you'd swerve and you'd crash. Mm -hmm. Or, this is another wild thing they talked about, that, like, it would, like, materialize as, like, a wild animal, and then it would be in the backseat of your car, and so you'd freak out and you'd swerve off the road into it. And so they were saying that, like, in order for you not to have, like, them materialize in your car, you had to make sure that there was no seats for them. So you you always have to have, like, a bunch of people in your car. So it it really sucks if you drive a minivan. Damn. You gotta get, like, blow-up dolls to put in every (laughs) seat. (laughs) Just trying to keep out the skinwalkers. Even though I've also heard you're not supposed to talk about them because... And you draw them to you. Sorry. (laughs) I have a black dog, so sometimes I'm scared that Tex is actually a devil. Which, I mean... That was terrifying. Yes. Wow, we're gonna have to sage the fuck out of this house. When I researched this story, I was, like, freaking out because my chair, you know, is in front of the hallway at Mm -hmm. home. So I kept, like, looking behind me, hoping that there wasn't anything behind me. A black Camaro coming down my hallway. Shit, I'll probably just come spend the night at your house. (laughs) Just a black demon dog running. You're gonna see a car pull up to... (laughs) It's not the black Camaro, it's Sydney's Honda. She got scared. (laughs) And, okay, so the last, like, part on this creepy road, it's, they say, are the literal gates to hell. Oh. Now, you're thinking, what do the gates to hell look like? Well, they look like an old set of rusty metal gates. <laughs> they need to do some refurbishments. Yes. So, it says that the story behind them, though, is why they're so creepy. So, apparently, the man that built them, like, after he finished building them, it was said that he lost his mind and there was a mansion, like, he lived in a mansion, and he burned down the mansion with his entire family inside while they were sleeping. And he wa- they were never able to catch him, and he was, like, never held accountable. It's basically, like, he disappeared. Neat. And so, now when people go down the road, they see a lady in white 
near the gates and it's assumed that the lady is his wife and that she's searching the street for her murdered children oh, and her God. husband. Um, she, they said she's never done anything. She's just more like sadly and desperately searching. This part, it has been uh, kind of debunked a little bit, but this is not that podcast. I did. I saw like an article that said that the gates are there. There was a fire and everything, but the man that built the house may have not been the man that went crazy. Mm. I, I, I couldn't completely like know, but they said that there still is a lady in white. So whether it's the hitchhiker lady who, you know, is just at a different spot in the road, I don't know. But we did say this is legends. So that is the legend. Listen, I'm not going to debunk anything because let's be honest, I don't know anything. I don't know shit. <laughs> Okay, so that was, like, all of the, like, actual stuff on the road. Okay. But I looked up some personal experiences so we could really get a feel. Let's get into it. Really get a feel. So Stephanie Smith uh, is one of the co-founders of the Denver Ghost Hunters, and she visits, like, a lot of spooky places Mm -hmm. around Colorado. And she says that she, like, she goes a lot of places, and she's been to Riverdale Road, like, a lot. And she says when she goes, she gets this, like, rare feeling that she doesn't get any other place. So one night she said she was walking on one side of the road and started to feel nervous and felt like she wasn't alone. And then when she looked off into the distance, she saw a man that she she remembers seeing his cowboy boots walking toward her. Maybe it was the man in the Camaro. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But she said that she decided to cross like to the other side of the road, I guess, because the man was like coming toward her. Mm -hmm. And once she crossed to the other side, the like uneasy feeling left. Oh, And she says that, like, sometimes when she takes pictures, her photos often capture orbs when she walks down the road. And over the years, she brings, she's brought, like, groups of people, and she'll bring people who don't know anything about it. And she will make them walk on that one specific side of the road. And she says a lot of times women will feel, like, unsafe and, like, somebody's following them. But then when they switch to the other side of the road, it's gone. So there's something weird about the one side of the road. I don't know why, but... I wonder if, like, other incidents have happened and they just haven't been reported. And so, like, you know what I mean? Probably. There's probably just, like, a a real pervert that was creeping on women, is what I'm thinking. Yeah. I mean, it says that a lot of people die on this road every year. Mm -hmm. Like, a lot. I didn't... Like, one website had, like, the reportings from, like, last year, and it was just, like, a crazy amount. Um, and so this next one, it was, I watched a little, like, YouTube video. And this girl went to, her and her boyfriend wanted to go visit some haunted places. Mm-hmm. And so she said they decided to go to Riverdale Road. And when they got there, they said there's a lot of signs that say, like, don't text and drive, don't d- drink and drive. And she said that, like, the crosses from where people die on the side of the road just, like, litter all the way down the road. Like, so, you know. It, which, this is, like, weird. So when I used to come... Back home from Brandon's house, my fiance, we lived, you know, in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And so I'd go down this back road, and there was this curve where this girl who, like, was the same age as me had died at, like, 16 in a car wreck. And for some reason, when I would drive past there, they had a cross up for her. I was always scared I was going to, like, see her ghost. That's like, so in Wilmington, where I'm originally from, it's that town is flat as a board 
Yeah. But there is one curvy back road that's, like, notorious for people, like, hitting these curves and dying. Also, it's also because it connects the downtown Wilmington area, essentially, to the other side of town. A lot of mm-hmm. drunk drivers will take that road. Yeah. Thinking that they can, you know, get away. Avoid the coppers. Yeah. Which is not makes sense because the cops definitely sit out there. Also, why would you take the most complicated route? And it shit gets dark. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that one specific curve is called dead, dead girls curve because, uh, my friend Garland, she was doing driver's ed and she said her driver's ed teacher did not say anything to her the entire time they drove together, (laughs) except when they hit that one curve that he said, this is dead girls curve. And she said she about shitted her pants because he had not said (laughs) anything else besides that. But yeah, there was recently an incident where these two girls, basically they hit a curve on that same road, Mm -hmm. like literally like a few months ago, and they sailed, like their car went 10 feet in the air and landed in the swamp, and they ended up, like they could, they went missing. Yeah. And they were missing for like two or three weeks. We thought, like the whole town thought that like- They were abducted. They were abducted because they didn't take anything, like their wallet or anything. Uh, and the police, I think there was a bit of negligence on their part. I'm going to be honest, the police. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, they, they were missing for like two weeks and they were stuck in the swamp. Oh my God. It, it was awful. That was crazy. So don't drive. Never drive. Never drive. <laughs> God, never. Take public transportation. Okay. So while these two were driving down the road, they said nothing really creepy was happen- happening. Um, and so they decided to turn down like a dirt road they saw while they were there because they were like, well, this shit's boring. We'll just go down this dirt road. Maybe it'll be kind of cool. Mm-hmm. But when they like turned down it, the girl was like, we can't do this. We need to like turn back around. I don't feel right. Yeah. And so she decided to look up that road like as they were still kind of just driving. And mm-hmm. she said that a mother and her children had actually died on it. So she got that like weird feeling on that road. Mm-hmm. And so they ended up going all the way down, and then they were like, whatever. So they turned back around to go back down the Riverdale Road, and they were like, we're going to drive slow this time, so maybe we can see something. And so a car came up behind them, and they sped up because they were going to pull over uh, and let the car pass. But, you know, it's a pretty winding road, so it took them a while to find a place to pull off. So the first place that they saw to pull off, they did, but immediately as they pulled off, the car behind them disappeared. (gasps) And they were like, well, where the fuck did it go? They were like, this is the first, like, spot to pull off. And they were like, okay, whatever, we're just going to keep going. So they kept going, and they then she said she saw the handprints on the signs as they were driving. Which, it said the handprints only appear at night. And so, I don't, I think that maybe when they went down the first time, it was more like dusk. Mm-hmm. And so then it was getting nighttime. And then she said the car thing happened to them two more times. Like, they would... Go back on the road and the car would pull yeah, behind them. Yeah, car would pull behind them and then it would disappear. So, the Camaro guy trying to race them. They weren't going to fall for that shit. And so, when they left, though, they felt like someone was with them in the back of their car. <gasps> Don't like that. And they couldn't shake the feeling. Even after they got home, she said after they got home, her her boyfriend didn't want to, like, go, like, home, like, by himself. So, he like, went into her house and hung out a little bit. And they still felt, like, super weird. Spend and, the night? Yeah. And she said for weeks following the visit, she had these, like, 
violent nightmares, and she even was getting sick with headaches and was throwing up. Oh my god. So it seems like something attached to them while they were there. So maybe it was like a shape, one of those skinwalkers mm-hmm. or some sort of something got in the back of their car. They should have had some blow-up dolls. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> they'll, they'll plan accordingly next time. And so a person on Reddit said that they live in the area and they grew up there. And they said that while they were in high school, three or four people died on the road. And that they knew kids that would always go drink out there and drive like crazy. And they said there used to be a caretaker, like a guest like, around the gates of hell, like, Mm -hmm. if there was still, like, a chicken coop there. And they said that the caretaker would shoot at people if they tried to sneak in, (laughs) which, not really paranormal, but kind of funny. Kind of funny. (laughs) Just a small town thing. And this person said that they saw the lady in white one night, but they didn't really have much to say because they said they freaked the fuck out and left. I don't blame them. uh, So would I. And this is my last one. Now, this, I found this on a website. It was called True Crime Shop. It was like a blog. Okay. And it was this lady who I guess lives in Colorado and she does like blogs. But it was very uh, like flowery. Like she's a writer. So So like her her writing was very like. Yes. Extra. Yes. And so it says she grew up really close to Riverdale Road and travels it a lot. And they said that their Native American friends consider this road a gateway. Which this was the most interesting part of what I found with this person. And they said they don't know what it's a gateway to necessarily, but that the Native Americans in the area are scared of the road and, like, they try to avoid it. Which makes sense because the land, like, for them has been, you know, it's cursed or whatever for a while. Mm -hmm. And so this person says that their first memory on the road is when they were six. They were with their parents and they were trying to take a shortcut to go to, like, a family member's house. And while they were on the road, they remember, like, this weird feeling coming to the car. And they saw their dad get this, like, horrified look on his face and turn to the mom. And then was like, we got to get out of here. And so she said that the dad was so scared that he never would drive on that road again. And they said, but this person... Did he ever talk about it again? Or was he like... Yeah, they said no. And then this person says that they, though, felt they were drawn to the road for some reason. I don't know if this was their flowery embellishment or Mm -hmm. what. But they said their second encounter was when they were a teenager. Their friends played a prank on them and left them alone on the road one day. So, I guess, I don't know. They said, you know, like get out of the car, we're going to play a game. And they said, bye, bitch. And so they <laughs> left her. I turned right at the gates of hell. And this part got real flowery. She was like, I walked through them. And what I encountered, I couldn't even put into words. And it felt as if I got lost on the road. And it was like, and I'm drawn to it. Oh, no, That's what I thought. But I don't think so. Because I looked up more of their stories. And it was like, real stuff and it was like submit your stuff to me so I can talk about it or look it up but that was Riverdale Road interesting and I would never like to go on it I would also never like to go on it I'm also not one of those like as much as I find like creepy shit interesting yeah if you asked me do you want to go absolutely not no because I'm too superstitious and I would be like something's gonna attach to me something's gonna do this also I've always had that fear. Not necessarily. So say, you know, you bring a group of people. Yeah. If it's going to attach to somebody, it's going to attach to the weakest link. And you got a question. One, are you the weakest link? And two, 
are you willing to, I don't know, kill the weakest link? Yes. You know, if they get possessed, what you gonna do? You gonna exercise them? Well, I think it would also attach to, like, the person who's most open to that kind of stuff. Yes. Because I believe that, like, if you get people with, like, like, even if it's not a ghost, if you get people with certain, like, energy types together, Mm -hmm. who, like, can, like, that stuff's drawn to them, then you can, like, create energy. So, this is very important, okay? We used to live in a tiny house together, me and you. Yes, we used to live in, like, a like a, like a small house in college. Yeah, kind of like a cottage um, as our apartment in college. Okay, and so we thought we had a ghost, which doesn't make sense. Yeah, it's like a newer construction, only a few years old. It doesn't make sense that it would be haunted. But I don't think it was haunted. So, I think that when we get together and when we talk about shit like this... We create energy that draws, like, paranormal energy. And this is why. Because Brandon says, my fiancé, says that he started noticing, like, weird shit in my house. Because the other day, he left the bathroom. And he was, like, taking a shower. He came out of the bathroom. And he said, this house get creepy. And I was like, what? What happened? And he said he walked out of the bathroom. Then the light in the closet was on. Uh And he went to flip the switch... And the switch was in the off position. And <gasps> Shut the fuck up! And then he said he like looked at Tex, and because Tex was sitting in front of the door, and then he looked at it, and then when he looked back, the light was off. <sighs> Don't like that. And he says he's been like hearing shit, and we heard the homeless person in the attic, and so I th- I told him that I think it's our energy together creates this. I'm going to need you to get the fuck out of my house right the fuck now. Look, we've only done it once here. We're going to need, you know what we're going to need to do? We're going to need to start filming this podcast in like a public park. (laughs) We'll go to um, the law library. Um, That is terrifying. Um, I could definitely believe that. But it's also interesting because I feel like Brandon definitely doesn't believe in stuff like that. No. He didn't believe it in your old apartment, but like shit be happening. And I'm like. It seems odd that it would happen at our old apartment, and now it's happening at your new house. Yeah, and the house was only built in, like, 2000, and the people in the neighborhood know who's lived there the entire time. Yeah. Which, I think that whoever lived in the house before us, I think they did some ritual stuff in there, I'm gonna be honest. But, yeah. That wasn't in the Zillow ad. No, it was not. Welcome to the podcast that discusses the things that are hidden in the shadows. This is Isaac. And I'm Megan. And on this podcast, we will discuss everything paranormal from ghosts, demons, aliens, urban legends, and more. From our own experiences and others, we will discuss the strange and unusual. Tune in every Friday for new episodes. So, I went through many phases this week when I was trying to do research. Okay. Obviously, as I told you earlier, started off researching Highway 666. Yes. And then with that, it was like there was almost too much information, but not enough. Like, there was too much, too many, like, I guess, like, legends, but there wasn't enough backing it. And then I tried to watch a Mm -hmm. documentary on YouTube, and the documentary was not on the highway. It was about the number 666. (laughs) Um, and it was clearly from the 90s. It was interesting. It was like, the devil's number 
it's it will bring you bad luck. Have you seen the like the ladies describing why monster energy drinks are from the devil? <laughs> yes, they're like the three parts of the M is the Hebrew for yes. number for six, and I'm like, what? Um, yeah. So then I was like, all right, I'll switch gears, and then I was like, I was thinking, all right, what is kind of like a legend, like what is a tale? Of a tr- like a murders that took place on a highway. Okay. And I was gonna do it on William Bonham, and I still want to do it on him. I've actually, never heard of him. You may. He's got other names, but okay. he, his story was too long. Yeah. And I felt like I monopolized the time last week. I was like, when I was editing the podcast last week, I was like, dear God, will this bitch ever shut the <laughs> fuck up? So I was like, okay, I'm going to keep it kind of simple. So um, to make a long fucking story short, <laughs> I'm doing mine on the Freeway Phantom. Okay. I feel like I've heard the name, but I could not. I don't know what it it's is. It's also in my research, I found that there's lots of like freeway phantoms uh highway killers yeah highway whatever so i was also like have i heard this before but this took place in like the dc maryland area okay you definitely i was thinking out west so yeah there was one out west okay so for my sources i had wikipedia obviously wow and then i also I guess this is a documentary. It was a YouTube video just entitled The Freeway Phantom Murders, but it was from the YouTube page Merck, I think is how you pronounce it, M-E-R-C. I'll just get right into it. So, on the evening of April 25th, 1971, 13-year-old Carol Spinks was sent down to the local 7-Eleven to pick up some groceries. Her older sister was like, hey, you go down to the local store, you pick up a few things, uh, whatever's left, you can buy yourself a soda. Carol was like, all right, let's do it. Sun drop. I don't think they, they don't have it there. <laughs> and it was also the 70s, so I don't know. Look, they were missing out. Also, I don't even know. Do our listeners? Sun drop just recently became national. It's a big thing in North Carolina. But... Sun drop is like Mountain Dew, but a thousand times better. And I call it the nectar from the gods. It's delicious. Similar to what I refer to as Bud Light <laughs> is the nectar of the gods. Yes. Brianna, my cousin, if you're listening to this, I know you love a good sun drop. We're in this together. And I know you listen because you text me about every episode. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Uh, please rate, review, and subscribe. She already did. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So, on the way there, Carol ran into her mom. And her mom was like, the hell are you doing out here? You're not supposed to be out here by yourself. You better get your ass back home. You you know, I'll let you go to the 7-Eleven. Because it really was only like a half mile from her house. And so uh, her mom was like, you you just better go straight home. Don't Mm -hmm. talk to anybody. Don't look at anybody. Okay. So after that, a neighborhood kid reported seeing Carol walking home with a bag of groceries in her hand. But that was the last time anyone saw Carol alive. I don't know. When she didn't come home that night, her family reported her missing. And neighbors went out and searched the neighborhood. But they couldn't find anything. Six days later, Carol's body was found behind St. Elizabeth's Hospital on a grassy embankment uh, near the northbound lanes of I-295, which that doesn't mean anything to us because we're not from D.C. No, I'm not. Um, But if you're from the D.C. uh, Maryland area, you're probably like, oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) I know where that is. Uh, So an autopsy revealed that she had been both physically and sexually assaulted, and her cause of death was strangulation. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Carol also had several cuts on her face and torso, but she was fully clothed, but she was missing her shoes. Interesting. So, it was believed that the killer had held her for a bit before killing her because her stomach did contain some citrus fruit in it. Like, they had fed her. Oh. You know? Um... Which I'm thinking also, like, okay, if she was kidnapped, do you think it was like, hey, you want a snack? And then, then they snatched her. Because she was, she was fairly young, so I feel like it was kind of like a bribe thing. Yeah. But they also found green fibers on her clothes that were believed to be from, like, a carpet or, like, car interior. Mm-hmm. But, the, like, this evidence didn't generate any leads. So, a few months later, on July 8th, 1971, 16-year-old Darlena Johnson was taken on her way from her, like, she was on her way to her summer job. She was a camp counselor at the Oxen Hill Recreation Center. So, she had told her parents that she was going to spend the night at the center Mm -hmm. because they were having an overnight event for the kids. So, her parents didn't expect her to come home. Yeah. But I guess after she didn't come home and then she didn't report to work, people got worried um but a witness did report seeing her get into a black car that was driven by an african-american male but that was the last time anyone saw her alive yeah nothing else like no other reports were found so 11 days later her fully clothed body was found on the same grassy area was where carol's body was found and it was, she was just 15 feet away from where carol was found and her shoes were also missing now, police did receive an anonymous tip of where they could find Darlena's body. They got that a week prior to the discovery of her body. Oh. Um, and by the time they got to where her body was, it was so badly decomposed that they were not able to determine a cause of death. Or whether or not she had been sexually assaulted. However, they did determine that she was strangled. So, the police got the tip a week before... They found her, or a week before they went to look for her? I found it to be a week before they found her, but that's one of those things. So, just to clarify, all of the victims of this murder spree are young African-American women. Okay. And this is the 70s, so I'm almost, like, I don't want to jump to conclusions, but I'm also like, did they just sort of, like... Did they, like, brush it off mm -hmm. at first? Yeah. Yeah. So, because I'm like, the so the killer, or sorry, the, the caller, mm-hmm. ha- gave the police details that only the killer could know. Which is making me think, I'm like, okay, so you had all this information, you're getting this weird, creepy call, and they tell you where you can find the body, and that is the location of a previous murder. But it took y'all a week to go out, so I don't know if like... That's what I was wondering. Did so, they go out, and then they didn't find her? there and so they like waited and then found her but in that case i'll be like patrol the area you know yeah for a long time in case he whoever comes and puts the body out there yeah so i just i don't know i thought that was also very odd but i couldn't find like other things in my research or in that documentary that yeah that kind of made it seem like they had maybe neglected this mm-hmm. lead but uh, I think you'll see throughout this story that they definitely, they don't do such a hot job. Okay. So, on July 27th, 1971, 
10-year-old Brenda Crockett went to the local store to pick up a few things for her mother, but never came home that night. Mm. So her parents got all worried, and they go out to search the neighborhood for Brenda. And they leave uh, Brenda's, like, had a, her mom had a boyfriend, so they mm-hmm. left the boyfriend and Brenda's younger sister at home to answer the phone in case, like, Brenda called or somebody called. Yeah. So... Uh, around 9.30 that night, the phone rings, and Brenda is on the other line crying. She's saying that a white man picked her up and that she's headed home in a cab. Uh. And Brenda also said that she thought she was in Virginia, which, just for reference, uh, where they were, like where she lived, yeah. was about two hours away. Like two okay. and a half hours away from this part of Virginia that she was claiming to be yeah. in. And she hadn't been gone that long, like for her to have gotten gotten there and then been able to make a phone call um but then brenda abruptly just says bye and then hangs up Uh so then the phone rings again now this time the boyfriend of brenda's mother answers it it's brenda again she repeats everything that she had just told her sister on the first phone call but this time she asked did my mother see me which, this is the part where I was like, I feel like I've heard this story before, but I can't remember. Yeah. But the boyfriend's like, what do you mean? What do you mean your mom? Your mom couldn't possibly see you if you're in Virginia. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Brenda indicates that she is home alone with a white man. And the boyfriend asks to talk to this man. He's like, hand him the phone. I need to talk to him. But then you hear heavy footsteps on the other end of the phone call. And then Brenda quickly says, I'll see you. And hangs up. And then the next day, a hitchhiker finds Brenda's body off of U.S. Route 50 near the Baltimore-Washington Parkway in the Prince George County of Maryland. She had been raped and strangled, and a scarf was knotted around her neck, and she was barefoot. So she had been strangled with this scarf, and her shoes were also taken. But this is the weird thing. Her feet appeared to have been cleaned. Like they were like in pristine condition. Mm -hmm. So someone had definitely cleaned her feet. And she still had the same green fibers on her clothes that the other two That the other people had. Okay. So authorities believed that the killer had Brenda call home and give this false information to buy time. So, um... Wikipedia said so he could perpetrate the crime and to hamper the investigation. Because in the one case, so she was saying, I'm with a white man, and she said that like two or three times. Mm -hmm. And then in the other case, they said the last time somebody saw another person was a black man. So it seems like at some point maybe race is important in trying to throw somebody off somebody's tail. Yeah, that it's definitely one of those things like, Okay, if you're a black man, you're going to say that you're white. But then I'm also like... So they won't be looking for... Because, mm-hmm. I mean, I assume she's being coached to say mm-hmm. like these specific things. Obviously, like, I think she she definitely wasn't in Virginia. There's just no way that no. she had gotten all the way to Virginia. So he obviously was like, this is what you're going to say. Yeah. So that they, they'll be notifying the police yeah they'll be notifying the virginia police when really you were two houses down or something yeah so on october 1st 1971 12 year old nino moshia yates was walking to a local safeway store which safeway is like a a grocery store yeah um 
and it was just down the street from her house. Her mom had just had a baby, so she, you know, she was trying to help out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she went alone, and the store clerk recalls her calling, or sorry, checking out with him around 7 p.m., and the items that the person at the cash register reported her purchasing, they found scattered outside the store. Uh-huh. So it's, you know, they think that she was probably snatched right off the sidewalk when she walked yeah. out. So, her body was found three hours later, just off the shoulder of Pennsylvania Avenue in Prince George County, Maryland. She had been raped and strangled, and she was missing her shoes, and her clothes contained, again, the same green fibers that were found on Carol and Brenda's clothes. So, have the police put this together at this point? I assume. They have, have they put it together that all these are connected? Or do they even care? The first one, they definitely didn't connect it uh, because it, they were so far apart, you know, it's like one of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also, like, as you'll learn, they just really did not have their shit together. But I think it's also, it's the 70s, and now police departments are ran, are run so much different. Yeah. Differently. Excuse me, let me speak English. <laughs> um, so, I think at this point they were starting to connect the dots, mm-hmm. but they they still I think this is when you know they were they were still trying to figure out like what do these characteristics mean? Who are we looking for? Yeah, this was also before we had a good grip on like serial and spree killings, right? So, so a witness did report seeing her get into a blue Volkswagen, which they didn't think that was like that big of a deal because you know. I guess, like, a family friend drove a Volkswagen. Yeah. But this lead didn't go anywhere. So, after this, this is, like, where the city as a whole was identifying it as a serial killer. I don't think that... I don't know if the term serial killer had quite become as mainstream Mm -hmm. as it is now. But the Daily News released an article and they referred to the killer as the freeway phantom and that's what it was referred to for like the rest of time oh so they then on november 15th 1971 18 year old brenda woodward had just finished her night class so she was taking night classes she was trying to improve her typing uh and her and a classmate had decided to grab some some dinner and it was kind of late at night because you know it's a night class they probably Mm -hmm. get out like what like 10 yeah uh, and so they went to Binge Chili Bowl, which, you know, I don't know if you've ever been to D.C. Uh, it's, it's quite a, a hip-happening place. It's, it's, it's well-known. I've never been there, but... Sounds like a place that would make me shit my pants. <laughs> probably, because um, I feel like water makes you shit your pants. Uh, but with the, the meat and the beans, yeah, definitely you would shit your pants. Every, everything makes me shit my pants. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's a pretty hot tourist destination. Huh. I've never been, but I've heard it's really good. So, they have dinner at Ben's Chili Bowl, and her, her classmate was going to drive her home, but mm-hmm. his car was in the shop, so they were both going to take the bus. Okay. So, they got on the same bus, but then she had to get off to transfer onto a different bus. Okay. And so, the last person to see her was she boarded a city bus around 11.30 p.m., and then she never made it home. And her body was discovered roughly six hours later by police near Prince George County's hospital, which we've heard that before, uh, Mm -hmm. off of Route 202 of the Baltimore-Washington Parkway. 
she had been stabbed multiple times, which is different different than the other victims, but she had also been strangled. But unlike other victims, she was still wearing her shoes. Okay. And her, she had a coat, like the coat that she was wearing had been placed over her chest, which reminded me a lot of the Jean Benet Ramsey case. Yeah. Where, you know, she had that blanket over her. So it's almost like they're feeling like remorse, <laughs> which for me, I, I don't want to, I'm not an investigator, but I'm also like, do we even think that she was killed by the actual phantom? Because this just seems different to me. Uh, yeah. Because he hadn't shown... Rem- I mean, he had washed their feet, but he just... The coat really makes it feel like maybe it was a different person. Also, the stabbing, I feel like that is a lot different, too. Mm-hmm. Also, was she old? It seems like... Were the other girls, like, younger? Yeah, she was... Because def- I picture the other girls as, like, children or, like, young teens. She was definitely older. Mm-hmm. Now, in the documentary that I watched, they did mention that because all the girls were petite, mm-hmm. that it was speculated that maybe, like, since Brenda was... She was a shorter girl. Yeah. That maybe she could have been mistaken as someone who was younger, and that's why she was taken. Um, but I don't... I'm not sure. This one just seems, it seems different to me. Mm-hmm. And it also comes right after the newspaper article was released. Yeah. So I'm like, you know, they love to give out too much information. Because back then they didn't know much about like, oh, we should hold back some information from the public. They're like, ah, just go on and tell them Let everything. Them Let everything. them know everything. So in the pocket of her coat that was laid over her, there was a note. And the note read this. This is tantamount to my insensitivity to people, especially women. I will admit the others when you catch me, if you can. The Freeway Phantom. But the note was written on a piece of Brenda's notebook that had been ripped out. Yeah. And after analyzing the handwriting and the note, they determined that the handwriting was Brenda's. So they think that the... The, her kidnapper made her write it. That is terrible. And it's interesting also, when I if you look at the note, some letters are capitalized and some aren't. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that's just how Brenda wrote or if that was intentional on some point. Because, you know, like, when you, like, learn about, like, yeah. the Zodiac Killer and you try to analyze his letters and you're like, well, I don't know. So, like... I feel like if she wrote it herself, it probably wasn't intentional, but... If- like the killer had wrote it, it probably would be because it would be more difficult to do a pattern. Mm-hmm. Because honestly, when I write, I write like a child first off. Mm-hmm. But I do half my letters capital, half of them lowercase, and half <laughs> of them in cursive. <laughs> I feel that. So, like, yes, I definitely do it like where this letter is a regular letter and then I'll connect random letters with, through like a cursive sort of feel. Every time I write an S at the end of a word, it's cursive. At the beginning or in the middle, it is not in cursive. I don't know why. Also, on Brenda's body, investigators found two different hair samples. One belonged to an African-American man and one to a Caucasian man. Which, I don't know, because I don't know, like, how hair samples work. Like, obviously, I feel like you would be able to tell, like, this is from an African-American person. This is from a white person just based off the way the hair looks. Yeah. But I'm like, was hair sampling that advanced that they were able to determine if it came from a male or a female? 
I don't know. I feel like, I don't know if it's true, but I think I've heard recently that hair samples and stuff are actually not as, like, telling as they used to think. Mm-hmm. Like, it may be help. it would be helpful to say this person has brown hair and this person has blonde hair, mm-hmm. but I don't know if it's as, like, solid good proof. I think I've heard that in my true crime podcast, so in mm-hmm. the 70s, maybe they thought it was some real advanced material, but I don't think it's as you know, good evidence now. Yeah. But even with the this evidence, they were unable to determine if the hair even belonged to the killer. Yeah. You know, she got him off a bus. You know, you'd be kind of close to people. I know. And the person beside you scratches their head and their fucking hair falls onto you. Yeah. Also, I shed hair, like, all the time. I like, you should see my car. It Like, it, if, if I, like, ran my fingers through my hair, it would definitely get on somebody. Oh, yeah. 100%. So then... The phantom goes dark after this. So police believe that he was either, like, he left the area or he was in prison for a different crime. Yeah. So he was, he went dark for a year. And on September 5th, 1972, 17-year-old Diane Williams was on her way from her boyfriend's house. And she was last seen boarding a bus near his house around 11.20 p.m. She was found a few hours later along I-295. She'd been strangled to death, and she was not wearing her shoes. However, unlike the other victims, her shoes were still with her. So she was barefoot, but her shoes were sitting next to her. And on the bottom of one of her shoes, her name was written. Weird. Which reminds me of, like, in Toy Story. Yes, I thought that as well. Um, But I'm, I'm wondering, like, do you think that... She had written that, or you think they did that? Because I'm also, like, wondering, you know, sometimes, like, you write your name on things so that, like, if you... Which, maybe at this point, the killer is trying to taunt them more. So he's like, I'm going to put this body here, and I'm going to leave you whose name it is. Mm -hmm. Like, something like that. So, like, I don't know if they didn't find her and couldn't, you know, identify her. They're like, this is who this is. I don't know. Maybe she wrote her... Maybe she had siblings and she wrote her names on her shoes because they all had the same type of shoes. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. Like, you know, like, you write your name on everything. Like, your notebook and everything. Yeah. So, just so you people got don't... got leftovers in the fridge. You say, this oh, Taylor's don't, don't touch, touch it. this. Especially when you got, like, five brothers. <laughs> I cannot relate to five brothers, <laughs> but I had a sister that ate everything in the house. So, sorry, Jordan, if you're listening. <laughs> it's true. So... Uh, There was no sign of sexual assault, but semen was found on her body, which police believed had belonged to her boyfriend, but her boyfriend had insisted that they had not had sex that night. Yeah. Which, like, I feel like, you know, she died. So, like, he wouldn't lie about that, I feel like. No. You know? I mean, like, you might, you might, your mom might be mad that you had sex, but. She's dead. We've got bigger fish to fry than premarital sex. (laughs) Exactly. So... Diane was the Phantom's last victim. Okay. That happened in 1972. In 1974, an FBI task force was created to investigate the case. And the FBI was able to follow up on some of the tips that they had been given mm-hmm. for, like, over the, like, years. Because I think the police department was just sort of getting bogged down with it. They didn't know how to process all of this. But this is what's interesting. So, common practice at the time was that if you were the detective on that case, yeah. you were, like, the only one that had access to that case yeah. and, like, were able to alter it. So, because of that, a lot of the files were incomplete. 
Okay. Uh, and some of the like files and paperwork and articles had just been lost or they'd been thrown out. I guess they were like, well, we ain't gonna ever solve this. And they threw it out. So a lot of like this stuff had just, you know, it had, it had, it was just gone. They had nothing to go off of. And some of the, the police officers had retired, but um, we'll get to that in a little bit. Okay. So some of the suspects included members of a gang known as the Green Vega Rapist. Mm-hmm. And these were like, it's like a group of men who would go through the D.C. and Maryland area and they would snatch up women off of the Washington Beltway yeah. and they would rape them. I don't, they wouldn't kill, kill them. them, but I, I mean, they definitely went through a traumatic experience. Oh, yeah. uh, and they probably were also beaten. Oh, so yeah. police interviewed some of the members of the gang who are serving time at a local prison and one member was able to provide some information regarding the case. So one of the gang members, he said that he he didn't he didn't do it. Yeah. But he had a lot of information. Okay. Like way too much information. Like almost like he was involved or he knew the the Person, killer. Yeah. Um. But he himself had an alibi that could be verified. So they're oh, like, okay. mm, shit, not him. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they were like, all right, we're going to really crack this. We've got this guy who's given us everything. Well, then a local politician was jacking his jaws, going up for election. <laughs> and he gets out there on the news and is like, oh, yeah, we about to get a real breakthrough on this freeway killer. Uh, he was like, yeah, an inmate in the local prison is uh, is cooperating with police and giving us all the information. And that's when that inmate was like, Oh, absolutely not. We're gonna we're not oh doing God. this anymore. Yeah. That politician clearly don't know that in jail you can't be a snitch. And if you are gonna be a snitch, you gotta be sneaky about it. Yeah. So he was like after that he was like, No more. Oh my god. So that runs cold. So then authorities arrested two ex cops, Edward Sullivan and Tommy Simons, for the murder of fourteen year old Angela Dennis Barnes who was thought to be one of the victims of the Freeway Phantom, Mm -hmm. but this was later determined that it was not part of the killer spree. But I also thought it was interesting that these two ex-cops had killed this young girl, because I was like, um, there might have been some corruption in the police force. But their biggest suspect was a 58-year-old computer technician by the name of Robert Elward Askins. And he was a convicted rapist and he has just a rap sheet that is redonkulous. So, at age 19, he, he poisons five sex workers with cyanide-laced whiskey. What? And it actually resulted in only the death of one of them, which I was like, those other girls, so lucky. Honestly, um, But it uh, ended up resulting in the death of Ruth Donald. And then, literally two days later, he stabs to death. Elizabeth Johnson. And he's not in prison. Well, he was put in prison for that. Um, And upon his arrest, Askins declared to police that he was a, quote, women hater. Like, no shit. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, um, Makes sense. So he was declared criminally insane. 
and was not fit to remain on trial. So he was sent to St. Elizabeth's Hospital. And after being released from the hospital, they were like, all right, you're fixed now. What does he do? He strangles 42-year-old Laura Cook to death. What the fuck? So obviously the hospital... He wasn't fixed. He was not fixed. So then they they decided to search Askin's home. They're like... Obviously. You seem sketchy, to say the least. <laughs> um, and so they searched his house in connection with the Freeway Phantom murders. And they found court documents from one of his previous trials. Mm-hmm. And in that those court documents, the judge uses the word tantamount, which is an uncommon word. Yeah. And is the one that was found on the note in yeah. Brenda Woodward's coat. So investigators dug through Askin's backyard thinking we were going to find something. Mm-hmm. They didn't find anything. Um, and so they, they weren't able to charge him. They're like, oh, well, he uses this word, but that's not really enough to go on. True. So he was not charged with the Freeway Phantom killings. He denied any involvement with the highway killings, stating that he did not have the depravity of mind required to commit any of the crimes. Bitch. I am going to beg to differ on that point. I'm going to say no. I say you could have done this, but... I mean, you strangled, stabbed, and already poisoned people, so... And And you've raped raped people. people. You're just a shitty person all around. Yeah. So they also found women's scarves, pictures of young girls, and an essay written by a young girl in his home. Then they search his car. And they found two buttons and a gold earring under his back seat. But the green fibers they found on the victim's bodies, mm-hmm. they didn't find that in his house or his car. Which I feel, was... I feel like nowadays we have really learned the fibers is not really a thing. It doesn't mean yeah. anything. But wasn't this also like two years like after these people were killed when they searched the house? Oh, I don't think I put the date, but it was definitely after. Like, this was when the FBI came in. So, this could have been a few years after, but it was at least two years after. Yeah, so, so I he mean, could have ripped the carpet out. He could, yeah, he could have had a green rug and then got rid of the rug or wore the same green sweater every time he did something. Yeah, which I think is why nowadays they're like, uh, fibers is not really a thing we look at yeah. anymore. But don't worry. Uh, this asshole did get what he deserved. Okay. Eh, in a sense. Yeah. Um... But so he was sentenced to life in prison because he raped two women years after this investigation, after he was cleared of the Freeway Phantom yeah. murders. Um, and he died in prison back in 2010. Okay. So he, he did serve the rest of his life in prison, but not long dick. enough. So the police felt that Askins did fit the criteria for the murder. Uh, he was an African American man who lived in the area and had a deep hatred for women. Which okay. reminds me, this case particularly really reminds me of the Atlanta child murders. And the yeah. fact that, you know, this was in the 70s. And to me, it doesn't make sense that a a, a young African-American girl would get in the car with a white man. So it, it seems logical yeah. that it would be an African-American man. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I don't know. What else did they need? This, to me, it really seems like it's the guy. But it also seems weird that the the gang rapist knew a lot. Yeah. And, I mean, I don't know. I mean, who does the gang rapist run around with? Or who did this guy run around with? Yeah. You don't really know. 
but the case is still open. It's been opened and reopened many times throughout the year, um, years. And uh, in 2001, the case was like officially reopened and has remained open as a cold case. Yeah. In the MPDC Homicide Division. And there's actually a reward for $150,000. If you, if you, I guess you can, if you can produce enough information to lead to an arrest or in, to the cases. Um, but each of the victims were petite African-American girls between the ages of 10 and 18. They all lived along the Washington Beltway and were all abducted while walking. Their bodies were all found near busy highways. And that was the freeway phantom murder. I feel like the guy who is now dead, who died in prison, if I think, I mean, I'm not the police in that area, but it sounds like they should have pressed more on him for that. You know what I'm saying? Well, then I'm also wondering, like, I'm like, okay, say it wasn't him. Yeah. He still, he's, I feel like he's still innocent in this. Could it be that he knows something he does, like... Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't know. I don't know. Also, at this point, it's so far out. I mean, they didn't open it up again until 2001. It's very likely that the person who did it is dead. Yeah. And one thing that I found in my research is that a lot of the people who were, like, part of the FBI task force or worked for the Maryland PD by then, they've all either retired um, or they have died. Okay. Well, that story was terrible. Yes, it was. But it does bring to light the fact that clearly back in the 70s and even today, like, like murders like that of, like, African-American women or even people like that, it's just not looked into. Like, they really didn't give a shit. So, anyways. Yeah, and I'm also, like, for me, it's always difficult because there's not very much information on this case that I'm like, shit. Is it that the police were negligent or were they just, like, not educated? And then it's, like, also that combination of the two. They probably were like, oh. Yeah. You know. I do wonder, like, if this was happening, had happened to young white girls, would... It be different. Would, yeah, would it have been different? Also, because I'm thinking, like, shit, after, like, the second murder, I feel like that that whole town had to have been, like, losing their mind. Especially because the killer went dark for a whole year. So they yeah. probably, in a sense, were, like, trying to get back to normal. Yeah. And then this shit happens. <laughs> God. Terrible. Um, But, yeah, I feel so bad for the, the family because they never got closure, which is awful. No. That's why cold cases are so... I just can't with them, which I know that sometimes... It's so crazy how you can have so much stuff mm-hmm. and there could be so many victims, yet there's nothing... Yes, and I feel like with Askins, there was a lot of, he definitely hit the bill, but they had no physical evidence, which is why they couldn't, yeah, they couldn't get him on it. Which I feel now, that same case with the advent of DNA testing Mm -hmm. would be completely different. Mm -hmm. But also, killers would take more precautions. This is true. Anyways, thanks for listening. Oh yeah, guys, thanks for listening. Thanks for making it this far. So a reminder, this episode will come out on Friday. New episodes every Friday. They come at 1 a.m. Uh, Eastern <laughs> Standard Time if you're up at that time, you know. 
But if not, that's cool too. You can you can get it on Friday morning. You can listen to it whenever. It's fine. It's fine. Next week's theme is Bigfoots. Okay. It is the legend and sightings of Bigfoot in the Pacific Northwest. And Bigfoot is one of my passion projects, so get ready, bitches. <laughs> yeah, we have an expert uh, coming in, aka it's just Taylor. She's just coming back next week. Like she comes every week. <laughs> um and she's just gonna talk about Bigfoot. Exactly. Um, but a reminder also to send in your hometowns or your weird stories, whatever you want to call them. You got a ghost story? You know a killer? You killed somebody. Don't tell us that. Please don't tell us that. And if you do, I am now going to be a lawyer, so I'm going to have to report that and charge you. (laughs) She's going to have to be a narc. (laughs) I'm a narc now, just to remind you all. But your deadline to send in your stories is going to be August 23rd, and if you send us your weird story... We read it on the podcast. Guess what? You get a sticker. I mean, unless you don't want one. But who doesn't want a free sticker? Yeah. And so if we air your story, um, we'll contact you and get your, you know, address so we can send it out to you. Or your P.O. box if you don't want us to know where you live. Yeah. But if you have a weird story, email us at thisisgonnasoundweird at gmail.com. Yes. Or, you know, you could slide into our Instagram DMs, but I don't know if there's a character limit on that. And if you do slide into our Instagram DMs, our Instagram is gonna sound weird pod. Yes. And we have a Twitter, which is gonna Gonna sound sound weird. weird. Also, one more reminder that uh, our next Weird Wednesday episode will air next Wednesday, the 26th. It's gonna be the last Wednesday of every month. So... Again, send us your weird stories. If not, just listen to other weird people send their weird stories. And I don't mean weird as an insult because I'm also weird. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the name of this. The whole bitch. (laughs) So, anyways, uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Bye.